Youth ministry can be difficult, messy, and even awkward at times. This podcast is to help you embrace those moments better. Whether you're full-time, part-time, volunteer, or even a parent, we want to give practical tips to help unpack the weird and fringe moments dealing with youth. And now, here are your hosts for Embrace the Awkward podcast, DJ and Kyle. Welcome to episode 44 of the Embrace the Awkward podcast, where we have one goal in mind, and that is to help you handle awkward better. Kyle, maybe you don't know this. Okay. I have type 1 diabetes. What? Yes. and You're I'm literally very... holding a cup of Casey's Diet Coke. <laughs> maybe you should be drinking that. <laughs> I'm very shy about it, uh, if you know me. Um, and so, But what I'm going to do is I've got my handy-dandy glucose monitor here that tells me my blood sugar. Okay. And if you can guess my blood sugar within 10. Can I get a range? Like, because I don't even know is so like a thousand or. So like, 100 to 300. Okay. Probably is, that's the. Is normal. Is normal. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> is the the person who doesn't have diabetes the, will probably fall and what would, what would they be? Their normal like blood sugar. 90. Okay. So my normal is 100 to 300, unfortunately. Okay. 100 to 300. Anyway, um, if you can guess within 10, I will literally give you $100 cash. Oh, my goodness. Can I see your phone? You can. <laughs> uh, so glu- uh, that means your body is not producing insulin. It, my right? body does You're not type, produce type insulin. Type 1. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to say 100. No, no, no. See, I, I can't tell if I'm supposed to go high or low. The, well, that's the point. A, a perfect blood sugar for me would be between like 90 and 120. That's the perfect. So you're at 159. Yes, I'm at 208. Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> speaking of which, while we, while we kick this podcast off, I'm going to put in insulin. But you're not a big fan of needles, are you? Anyway. No. Uh, so thanks so much for joining us on the Embrace the Awkward podcast today. We've got um, well, we have no filters, none whatsoever. at all. No, yeah, none at all. So uh, if you weren't hoping to get some medical, you know, type of conversation in your podcast fill today, that's okay. We yeah. If this podcast actually doesn't end because DJ collapsed, then you know. Yep. <laughs> we're in trouble. Yeah. So uh, today we're we're starting a a two parter, uh, and I'm actually excited for this. We're talking about. Uh, today, five outdated evangelism methods that youth ministries should avoid, should stop, should cut it. Uh, these are five outdated evangelism methods. Now, um, the gospel is outdated. Uh, <laughs> we're already in trouble. All right, that, we've lost half the people who are listening now. Yeah, see, this what's interesting is we're talking about methods. We're not talking about the gospel. The gospel is powerful, life-changing the reason why we do and be, okay? But um, sometimes our methods can be a little outdated, just like they have teaching methods that change, just like we have computer updates, just like we get a new cell phone. We're no longer carrying around the big bricks of the 1980s because the method, all right, has changed. So um, we need to realize that our methods also need to change using the gospel for that. Like this, the evangelistic strategies, I really believe that most churches are still using is from the 1950s, the Youth for Christ Crusades from Billy Graham. Sure. Now, Billy Graham is a hero of mine. He's awesome. 
And he was extremely effective in that culture. But I guarantee you showing Billy Graham's and doing Billy Graham's messages probably wouldn't resonate as well as they would back then. Yep. Now, now I've seen clips on, on TikTok and on YouTube and all that, but those are clips. Those yeah. are not 45-minute messages right. on there. So you can, you can choose the best one minute and, right. and totally that. The other thing is um, 33%, it says, uh, according to Barna, 33% of people are not coming back from church after COVID. Like wow. COVID is done from a lot of the states, um, even though I don't think it is completely, but it's done for a lot of churches. <laughs> they would say, oh, no, right. we're past COVID. Yeah. But their numbers are still 33% less than it was before COVID. And I think we need to start realizing they're not coming back and we shouldn't expect uh, churches just to grow just because, oh, we're, a new family moves into town, they're going to look for a church. That's no longer our society. Right. Evangelism has to be way more strategic and intentional for this so the thing is and and i said this and hopefully it came across that it was clearly a joke the gospel is not outdated but the thing is we are we're talking about changing the how we're not talking about changing the what Mm. the gospel is as effective as ever uh it's it's clear and it's powerful but the way we present it can be needs to be changed yeah i mean think about this and let's be real let's be honest Part of the problem that we have a problem with evangelism, but part of the problem is we tend to evangelize the way we were evangelized too. Yeah. But the world has changed since we were first saved, and we must change with it. So I'm, you know, almost 40. I was evangelized when I was seven. I accepted Christ when I was seven years old. Um, change have, things have changed 33 years ago. So we must also realize just because what was effective for us doesn't necessarily mean it's effective now. Now, that could be true. We also know that God works in mysterious ways, and sometimes you pass out a gospel track, and boom, someone uh, accepts Christ for the first time. Yep. But that's probably not the norm. And so what we're doing is giving some five ways that we need to stop doing or dropping or dramatically change. And our second part of this episode, or these two-part episodes, is what are some new evangelistic methods. So don't feel that we're just down, down, down uh, all your methods that you've done for the past 20 years. Right. We've ruined and there's nothing else. Stay tuned for episode two of this two-part series. Yeah. Um, The message doesn't change, but the method has to. Uh, And that's really what it's about. I mean, here's, I always give this example of churches who, or organizations, uh, they ask for for my advice or they help with some, maybe some small group leaders training. Um, I always say this, 5,000 years ago when we wanted water, when human race wanted water, we go out to a lake or stream and we just reach down with our hands and pick it up. 500 years ago, we dug a well and we put a, a, a bucket down and drug the bucket into the house. 100 years ago, we used a hand crank in the house to pump water into it. And five years ago, now there's motion-censored faucets where you don't even have to touch the faucet and water comes out. The water never changes, right? but the method in which it does changes. For sure. So why, Kyle, why aren't teens sharing their faith? Yeah, so uh, I subscribe to a Global Youth Culture. It's an organization that does a lot of statistics. It's really cool. I would recommend them. Um, I also go to Feed Youth Ministry on Instagram. They are really good at promoting some of this uh, statistics and data. And here's what I find fascinating. It says just recently, a couple weeks ago, 58% of U.S. Christian teens believe they don't have a responsibility to share their faith. 
So let me say that again. Wow. 58% of U.S. Christians, not teens, Christian teens, believe they don't have a responsibility to share their faith. That's a huge, huge problem that the trend is not going to reverse unless something happens where there's a little bit more um, intentionality. And they're either clueless, they just don't know that they have to share their faith, they seek comfort, all right, and pleasure, and they run for anything that makes them feel uncomfortable. Sure. Hence why we have Embrace the Awkward podcast. Yep. <laughs> We're all here in embracing the awkward because ministry <laughs> happens in the awkward times, not just in the good times. Or what's worse, they're complacent. And that basically yeah. means they need to change. They know they need to change, but they choose not to, uh, either out of fear or apathy. So they're either clueless, comfort, or complacent. And I think about complacent is – Think about an old pair of shoes that you have. Uh, I have an old pair of shoes that I probably have for the past 15 years. They have holes in them, and they were comfortable for a while, but now they're actually uncomfortable because I've worn them so much, but I just can't get rid of them. When Every time I paint or do a construction job, I pull out these old shoes, and I don't know why. It's just a habit, but I'm complacent. I know I need to change these old shoes but I don't. And that's, I really believe those three things are a big reason why teenagers aren't sharing their faith is they just either don't know, they value comfort, or they're just complacent. Like, ah, yep. I have apathy or fear. And we actually need to throw out the old shoes and get some really new shoes. Right. When's the last time you bought a pair of shoes, DJ? <sighs> Boy, it's actually been a long time because I've actually gotten my last couple of pairs of shoes as gifts for Christmas because okay. I have not as good a taste as other people in my life. So. <laughs> I will say though, uh, you want to talk about an old pair of shoes? I actually, while you were st- talking, I looked up, um, I looked up vintage gospel tracks. Ooh! Uh, and this popped up. It's it has a silhouette of a girl, and then a guy who looks exactly like Jesus. But it says blonde hair, blue eyes, right? It says <laughs> skimpy skirts and hippie hair. <laughs> what does it really mean? What should Christians do? And what does the Bible say? Now it's funny because the person on this literally looks like. Jesus, <laughs> but uh, so wow. yeah, there's there's plenty of you can go look this up on your own time. Vintage gospel tracks. Hey, don't you, wait for the hearse to take you to church. If you have some vintage gospel tracks in your church, no judge, take a picture of it and please post it on or send DM us on our Instagram page at the ETA Podcast. Yep, and we'll make a little uh, <laughs> gallery, if you will, of vintage. Yeah, if, if you've got this one laying around, it says, which thief is worse, the one that steals from your car or the one that steals your purity? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that should be an awkward book club moment. So anyway, <laughs> we are going to um, move on to a couple tips here. So as we normally do, tips and tricks, you know how we do this thing. So uh, number one, using fire and brimstone to literally scare the hell out of people. This is not a <laughs> method that should be used Anymore. And certain denominations really still value this more than others. Yeah. So something interesting. I saw a post on Facebook actually just yesterday, and it said uh, really big letters. It said, the Lord is coming. Repent and be saved. But the image on with those words showed this terrifying like <laughs> scene of blood and gore and demons and all these things. And I was like, the Lord is coming, and that's what it – Looks up, no way. Like yeah. if that's if the Lord is coming, if that's what it looks. I'm like, why would you not show? You know where what? The, this method came from? This fire and brimstone method came from actually from the dark ages. <laughs> All right, that's what they would do. The church at that time 
really put your soul is eternal. And if you don't do things, if you don't work this way or don't give this amount of money or whatnot, you are really going to be in hell for eternity. Wow. And you're going to have, you're going to force your family to pray for you after you die because you're going to be in turn. I'm like, it's a scary, scary thing. So fast forward to the uh, down south uh, parts of the United States, the fire and brimstone preachers, and they're they're screaming. I, I think of the movie Pollyanna. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie I've Pollyanna. Never even heard of that. So. But it's a very <laughs> there's a very funny scene where this guy he's a preacher and he's just like screaming at the audience, and the, the audience is just like uh, let's like freaking out, and she's like trying to get off the pew and under the under the pew and get out of the church and all that. But it's just one of those things where you cannot scare people into heaven anymore. Yep. That that's a tactic that is really outdated. Now it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. All right. I do believe that we are destined for hell and only through the grace of God, through the power of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, do we get to go to heaven. Yeah. But that method isn't probably what you should start with or the right. first three things you share. Right. Yeah. For sure. Number two, uh, using Christianese. Now, what is Christianese? So Christianese is a very um, special language. (laughs) And Christianese are things that Christians say that no other person could ever understand if they were. So a really good example of this one is... uh, is especially used in kids ministry a lot, not to like at them or anything, but uh, <laughs> sorry, kids ministry. Sorry, yeah, but the phrase "Jesus enters your heart," yeah, to a just non, accept Jesus into your heart to a person that has no concept of what that means. I, I don't even know how what that means right now. Like, and I've used this in years past, right? Right. Just have Jesus enter your heart, but man, I asked my eight year old daughter that, and she's a very concrete thinker. She was like, she. She didn't understand it at first. I had explained what it was, but even then she's like, well, why can't Jesus just be my friend? Mm. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's so much better. Yeah. Shout out to my eight-year-old daughter. Seriously. So now we use the friend language. So that's how you're such a good youth pastor. It's your daughter. (laughs) Yeah, it is my daughter. (laughs) So Jesus is her greatest friend. That's how we describe it. That's cool. But Jesus into her heart, I mean, you know, accept Jesus into your heart, that is a phrase that most people don't even know what it is, especially non-Christians. Right, and what's really funny is that if you, I can see that, let's just play this out a little bit. So you're telling this to someone who has no concept, and you go, and Jesus enters your heart, and they're like, well, if he's in my heart, wouldn't I die? Yeah. And they're like, yes, <laughs> you will. And they're like, what? Yes, you're dead to I, sin. <laughs> Wait, what sin? Exactly. The bad stuff, but I don't die after I do my bad stuff. <laughs> right, exactly. It just gets you in a rabbit hole that you can't get out of. There are several classic ones. There's uh, love on, there's hate the sin, love the sinner. Yeah, so love on is very interesting because that's a. It's actually got uh, a resurgence in the millennial generation. Where hey, I'm just gonna love on the kids. I know what you're trying to get at, but it's just awkward. That yep. phrase is awkward, and it should just be eliminated. Just love on them. Yeah, just love. Yeah, on I just want to go love on these kids. And, and again, intention is so good, but that's not necessarily something that a normal person uses outside the Christian context. It's very much a Michael Scott. <laughs> yes. In that, think about you know when for he's the office, on, yes. on the on the episode where he's making a dating profile, he makes it. Well, I'm not going to tell you. Go watch the episode <laughs> where he makes a dating profile and look up what his username on the website is. Um, but like, yeah, it's typical of that. Like, you know, that's one that it just it sounds uncomfortable at this point. And the another phrase is like you said, DJ, hate the sin, love the sinner. Now, this is a very popular 
phrase, even to this day. Um, but what's, what's interesting is it, the message is getting muddy because our society, especially in America, our Christian society really, um, doesn't like to use the word hate for anything. So when we say hate the sin but love the sinner, um, we have identified as sometimes sinful behavior as our identity. And now you're saying you, you can't, like they're basically saying you can't love me and not hate who I am because my behavior or my actions. Yeah. And so I'm not saying it's it's wrong in its theology. I We're both saying this should be a phrase you should drop because it's a hurdle to get people to the gospel. Yeah, for sure. And I think that ties into this. I, I think we just need to stop. Um, so easily we imply that the goal of accepting Christ is to just stop sinning and you won't necessarily have those struggles. And we know that that's not true. You you will have struggles. You will, you know, like if you've watched The Chosen, there's there's an episode where Jesus is talking to one of the disciples and he's like, did you think you'd never sin again? Right. Like, did, you know, did you? But so many people jump in but aren't followed up with or aren't explained the gospel in a full or clear way and, and they struggle even more because of that. So like you're not saved to get out of hell, but that's kind of how it is sometimes sold as yeah, like, and now you're perfect, right? You're a new creation. You're perfect. And if you don't know the full extent of the gospel, which we will never know the full, I mean, it's too powerful for even us to comprehend. But, but if you haven't been explained that in a full or clear way, it can be really damaging to, to you or, or other people. Yeah. The third one, love this one. And we've talked about it a little bit. Gospel tracks. I, Maybe this is controversial. I don't know. I'm here for the hot take. I think that gospel tracks are outdated. I, it their their effectiveness is not relational, and they don't. There's nothing about a gospel track that makes me create a relationship with you unless I am from my heart telling you about the gospel, which therefore eliminates the need for a gospel track. Now, now here's what's interesting. We're talking specifically for youth workers. Yep. Um, so gospel tracks might be something that you use on a regular basis for your friends, your neighbors, or if you're at, uh, you know, um, a store or a stranger and you interact because it works for the older generations. Yeah. It actually still works for that. But we're talking about youth workers. We have uh, our church is part of an organization that helps with um, this uh, thrift store, basically use donate use clothes or donated. We sell it all the clothes for a dollar each. I mean, it's really a really good ministry. And several people have come to Christ just because the workers are passing out tracks when they also sell those clothes. But there's not a teenager. There's not anyone under thirty or forty even who are responding well to the tracks. Yeah. And I think because it's a cultural thing, as much as it, it's kind of like, hey, I'm going to read my Bible. Most teenagers now open up their phone to read their Bible. They yep. don't g- grab a printed Bible. And there's nothing wrong with printed Bibles. But when you use gospel tracts for teenagers, I, it just comes across as dated before they even open it up. Yep, so true. Number four, this is another one, must be in person. Like evangelism mm. has to be face-to-face. You have to go door-to-door and to evangelize. Yep. That door-to-door Jehovah Witness method, um, they would say, oh, it's very effective. I don't know if it's effective, as in I know some neighbors of mine, and I'm not going <laughs> to um, call them out, but they're so non-confrontational that they've actually accepted through a Jehovah Witness they, they say salvation just so they leave them alone. 
Oh yeah, I've had I've, like, I've had people that have said the same thing. They'll, I've had a person that said, "I will say whatever prayer I have to say to get the help I need." When I've had some people come through the church that need, had a need or yeah. something, they said, I'll, "And I'll and I'll say whatever prayer I need to to get my help." Yeah, door to door evangelism might not work as effective as it was before, and altar calls and being in person, yes, we can still definitely do that. I do that on a regular basis, having time with their small group leaders. Uh, pray for them or they come up or at a camp or something like that. Well, I'm not saying it has to be in, uh, I'm not saying in person is wrong, but thinking that it has to be face to face rather than on social media is really limiting your impact. Yep. Social media now. And if you have a good influencer, if you have a YouTuber or music star or something like that, singing worship songs or, or giving the gospel message, I guarantee you, more impact is made than just one-on-one with that. Now, there's, I'm not saying that it's uh, the only way to do that, but I know that Justin Bieber singing a worship song at his concerts, I'm seeing on YouTube, you can't tell me that some people maybe have been hearing the worship songs for the first time in their life because yeah. they went to a Justin Bieber concert. Yep, for sure. and, as, and, I, and that's a whole other thing on his behavior and, and all that. <laughs> Um, but this belief that it needs to be one-on-one, it needs to be in-person, we can't use the digital communication to share the gospel, that's an outdated method. Yep, for sure. Uh, last tip for today, having an impossible goal, or maybe not having an intentional focus, but uh, having an impossible goal, that hmm, this is just so <laughs> true for ministry just in general. Especially youth ministry. Especially youth ministry. Yeah, but Kyle, kind of talk about this. You've got a cool... Yeah, so uh, it's something that I have noticed over the years, being in ministry for almost two decades, uh, I've noticed this hype aspect when it comes to evangelism. Like, um, I heard this quote once from a youth pastor in my city. He says, we have 64,000 teenagers um, aged 13 through 17. I don't know why he didn't include 12-year-olds or 18-year-olds, but that's right. a whole other thing. <laughs> 13 to 17-year-olds, 64,000 teenagers. We need to save every single one of those. When I heard that statistic, I understand what he was trying to get at, like he was trying to reach our city. But I heard questions. I thought of questions like, but they change every year because they graduate. Are these 64,000 now or when the test or study was done? Like, who's going to reach this school, and what about if they're already at church? Those 64,000, I bet maybe half of them aren't. Like, I went all these kind of questions on, like, went they go to church or they don't go to church. Like, I was overanalyzing this, and it was actually demotivating mm. just for this. Now, there's having an impossible goal where God only God can supersede, there's nothing wrong with that. But what that tends to happen is it makes you lose your focus to where it's not intentional, and therefore very little impact is actually made. It's not effective. Um, so I like Kerry Newhoff. Uh, do you know Kerry Newhoff, DJ? I know him personally. Okay. He's on my speed dial. Yeah, so okay. hey. If hey, you don't. Hey, hey, CN. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know CN, all right? <laughs> if you don't, he has a fabulous blog, ministry, podcast, yeah. all that. Um, I unfortunately listen to him religiously. <laughs> but he, I love this quote he had a couple weeks ago. He says, trying to reach everybody is one of the fastest ways to ensure you reach nobody. Mm. Trying to reach everybody is one of the fastest ways to ensure you reach nobody. And I really think that's partly because um, you're focusing on too much. So 
I have a fish, fishing illustration for you, DJ. Yay, right. which is funny because what did I bring you today to show you? Yeah, you some lures. Lures. L- I can't even say it. Sure. Lures? Some lures. I brought some some flies that I tied. So if there's any flies. avid fly tires out there, you know. He makes his own shout flies. out. Shout out to you. Breed them and sell them to supermarkets. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he, here's the illustration. Um, if you're going fishing and you want to catch a certain type of fish, you have to use a certain type of bait or lure. Right. Most likely. Yep. Okay. Um, so when when you go out to fish, you bring out this. You have to use this kind of pole. You have to go to this type, even type of day. Right. Yep. Everything is affected. I check by the it. air pressure. The really. The yeah. The yeah. I also uh, fun. This is this the mother's. You know, or like an old an old t- made tale, handmade, whatever. I don't know where I'm. Fairy tale. An old fairy. Sure. I don't know what you're saying. If the cows are laying down, it's a bad day to fish. Really. That's what they say. I I have no idea who these people are. So full but okay. Full moons, storms, the way the weather's. What's the best trending. type of day? Uh, right before a storm. Okay. Right before a storm, it's like fishing in a bucket. So here's the thing. If you're an avid fisherman like DJ is, he knows all the tips and tricks and all that, which will means most likely it greatly increases his chance of getting the fish he wants. Yep. So when we talk about evangelism, just sharing to everyone, hey, you need to go tell everyone in your entire life about Jesus, that may be true on a on like a, a grand scale, but a yeah. practical scale, it's very hard. What I have found out is relational evangelism is 10 times more effective than just stand on the street corner or just put a Bible verse on your social media page and do nothing else. Yeah. Um, and so what I always do and what I've really started, especially the past couple of years, is to intentionally train uh, my students to have some kind of relational evangelism, basically we, we boil it down to the most personal level or challenge is who is your one. And we'll talk about this in episode two, who is your one, but talking about who's the, who's the person you're praying for and who's the person you're sharing with. It's so much easier than saying, hey, your entire school, you know all the bullies and the, the jocks and all those other people who you don't know, you need to save everyone. Right. If you want to just test yourself on how outdated some of these methods are, it takes looking at a few Instagram pages before you see it, uh, <laughs> and you'll find a Bible verse in a bio and that person most commonly is seen by students today as someone who's probably not a Christian. Mm, That's yeah. a method of evangelism that people put a Bible verse in their bio that means nothing to them. Now, yeah. I'm not saying if you have a Bible verse in your bio that you're not a Christian. Right. But it's seen as something like that by students today. Because um, it's so common. Yeah. In, and so that method, again, is not effective. We're not, uh, not effective. Yeah. That's the whole goal here is not for you to stop evangelizing because I think we actually need to do more of that. Right. But how can you be the most effective in your evangelism methods? Exactly. That's what we're trying to do. We, I mean, obviously, at, here at the Embrace the Awkward podcast and in your ministries, we want to reach people with the good news of who Jesus is. And I would say evangelism is probably the most awkward thing that Jesus asked us to do. If you really think about it, not hard, but awkward, is I need to tell this other person, and I don't know what to say, and I don't know what to do, and, and now I have to tell them something what I believe, and, and, you know, what do I do? It's awkward, and so we want to help you kind of lean into those awkward situations a little bit better so you can pass on this knowledge to your students. Exactly. Well, hey, thanks so much for joining us today, and thanks for being our friend. We'll see you next time.